Hello again, and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Everyone Has a Story. This is the podcast that goes hand in hand with our two quarterly lifestyle magazines, Hello Sunshine Magazine and In Noosa Magazine. The autumn issues are on the streets of the Sunshine Coast right now. And if you'd like your business or your brand to be part of our winter issues, reach out to our customer service team. You'll find us on Facebook and on Instagram. On with today's episode of our pod Today, we're diving into the life of Alexander Payne, a man who's always had a love for Noosa. Originally from Victoria, Alexander was a frequent visitor to the area, often visiting twice a year for holidays. His deep affection for the area led him to move here for the first time in the 1980s. Now, Alexander lives in Sunshine Beach with his husband, Adrian, and Alexander works as a real estate agent with Reed & Co., He specialises in properties in Sunshine Beach, an area he fondly describes as a place where you'll come across Beatles and Bentleys. Join us as we explore Alexander's journey, his love for Noosa, and his insights into the unique charm of Sunshine Beach. I started the podcast by asking Alexander if he was doing today in terms of career and lifestyle, what he thought he might be doing or what he dreamt of doing when he was a kid. Look, lifestyle-wise, probably yes. Career-wise, no. That said, I, over many years back in Melbourne, had people saying, oh, you should be doing real estate. And I've always had a bit of a passion for um, interior design and also, you know, just renovation of homes. And so, therefore, when I came up here, I had... um, I'd been in HR for a long time, human resources, and I decided um, that I'd had enough of that. And so I took about a year's break. This was not that long after we moved up here. And then I decided that I would give real estate a bash. And so when I got my, um, this was just before COVID, and I got my um, my license, uh, my full license. And yeah, then, um, it's sort of all evolved from there. From Melbourne to Noosa, that seems to be, uh, well, in the last couple of years, a kind of a migration that's that, that's you know, large numbers because of COVID. But did you holiday? Was Why, why Noosa? Was that a, a family destination? A hundred percent, yeah. So a long connection with Noosa. Um, my rather eccentric aunt actually built a home um, up on... Picture point, um, and that was one of the first houses. It was kind of different then. I I don't remember the the sort of when I go up there. I don't remember the curved part at the end, but it was it was one of the first homes up there. Um, it was called Wandana, and so you know, given that I'm 61, I grew up sitting on the balcony of that that home, sort of watching. Noosa Sound being built, and I remember, you know, house, a couple of houses down on um, Hastings Street where friends lived as a, as a child, and so we would holiday up here, you know, the whole sort of flag in and Golden Fleece service stations driving up here from Melbourne with two cars. It was a drive, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow, it's yeah. a long drive. Yeah, you didn't, back then you didn't jump on a plane like and come up here. No, no. So, <laughs> so we would drive up here as a family, so I had four older brothers. Um, 
And yeah, so there was a, a rickety old Land Rover under the house and a tinny, so we would have all sorts of adventures, you know, you know, the excitement of seeing the cherry adventure on the beach, you know, back when it was not busted and, <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't cut yourself to shreds. Um, and just, yeah, lots of exciting times. So that was, that was a long period of coming up here every year, probably twice a year. And then I, as a young man, moved here in the 80s and lived here in the 80s. I was actually working in the hotel industry and I had done the opening of numerous hotels. I was sort of specialising in openings. Um, and yeah, so did the opening of Higher Regency Coolum, which subsequently turned into a dinosaur park. And yeah, I, <laughs> I remember bringing a kid to the dinosaur park. But for a long time, it was the centre of uh, what the PGA was played. Oh, yeah, quite so a was, reputation. You know, and yeah. You know, Dr. John Tickell was behind all of that and, um, you know, it was a very smart sort of combination of international hotel and kind of health retreat. Um, so lots of good memories in there and still have friends that actually um, that I worked with at the, at the opening there. So, you know, it was recruiting staff and, and um, training them. And then I moved back to Melbourne. Um, I ended up um, with... Village Roadshow as their international HR director, opening cinemas all around the world. And I always knew in the back of my mind that I would, even though I was traveling internationally a lot with my work um, over the sort of subsequent 20 years or so, I always knew that I would come back to Noosa. And so just short of my 15th birthday, um, I started exploring that concept and yeah, so... Can I get your take on, apart from the obvious development, population growth, can I get your take on, on, on how Noosa has developed, for, for better or for worse, in terms of through your eyes? Like, what, what's your take on, on, on this region? You came here twice a year as a kid, you holidayed here, your eccentric aunt had the house, and now you're working in, as, in professionally as, as an estate agent. I just want Noosa through your eyes and how you've seen it change. Yeah, look, a lot of people talk about this, don't they? And, and they say how much it's changed. I actually don't think it has changed that much. As in its essence, of course, there's more people. Um, there's more homes. Um, there's more traffic. But, you know, I compare that... We, my parents had a place on the Gold Coast as well, and it was like... The contrast between the change on the Gold Coast and the change here clearly is poles apart. And I feel like it's still pretty much the same in the respect of just the, the locals and the feeling and the essence of Noosa, I don't think really has changed that much. I actually really like, as, as a young man, it was, you know, it was a boring place to be, quite frankly. Yeah, I imagine that as a kid you know, when, when your parents would take you somewhere away from an urban setting like Melbourne, that the impression would be, eh, there's nothing to do. Yeah, I mean, it was great for holidays and everything, but yeah. living here in the 80s, it was, look, there were lots of fun parties and, you know, there was plenty, plenty to do in that respect, but just, you know, coming from Melbourne originally, culturally and everything, it was a bit of a void here. Um, and Brisbane was still 
the country town. I imagine in, in, in your line of work, you would, and talking to people with, with real estate, do, do you feel that there is a, a portion of the population who have retired um, uh, and kind of they're the ones that want to put the boom gates up and go, that's it? We're happy. We've got our patch and we don't want anybody. And then, of course, there's the business side of things where you're looking for economic growth and you're looking for, you know, uh, uh, you know tourists, you're, you're welcoming tourists into the region. Again, do you see that and do you talk to people about that? Yeah, I think, look, I think the, the, the opinions are fairly diverse. I think there's a lot of people that moved here in the maybe the mid-90s. They seem to be the group. The white shoe brigade? No, it's well, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you'd call them now. But um, they moved here in the 90s. And I think that that was a fairly... There was probably, I don't know statistics, but there was probably quite a big influx of people around that time just searching for something. And so... That group seem actually quite <laughs> clicky, isn't the right word, but... Even today, they yeah, seem quite clicky? Yeah, well, yeah. I guess in respect to your question, that's probably the group that I think talk about the change the most. Yeah. That's what I find. The people that were here, you know, in the 70s and 80s, and I talked to a lot of, the, a lot of these people on the phone, you know, they were the first people to actually purchase you know, yeah. homes in this new suburb, for example, Sunshine Beach, you know, where I live. And, yeah, they say that that sort of 70s group, they say it's changed, but they don't seem to complain about an awful lot with the, the 90s group. I don't know. And it look, it's clearly not everyone. But to answer your question, that would seem the group that seemed to observe the change the most. Yeah. And I kind of think when I when I hear people that moved here in the mid to late nineties sort of talking about the changes like you it's don't a bit know. selfish. You don't from well you don't point know. Of view. Well <laughs> you came here and you were part of the change. Well that's the exactly reason right. for the change. That's right. You're here and, because of yes. And yeah. and any of us that move here affect the change. Of course. Yeah. Because it's just a population yeah. But look, we're so lucky. I mean, you know, I, I just was literally um, last week down in Melbourne for an event and I was just sitting there thinking, sitting sitting on the car in traffic jams thinking, I used to do this every day. I used to think it was perfectly normal to drive 10 kilometres to work and for it to take an hour. Mm. Now I get, you know, eight cars in front of me and I'm like, ah, oh, traffic jam. <laughs> but it's, it's, um, it's, Comparing, it's apples and oranges. I mean, you yes. grew up in, in Melbourne. I worked there for seven, eight years. I love them both. Yes, so do I. But, you know, when you're sitting on the beach at Little Cove, it doesn't compare to anything in Melbourne. No. But then when you're in, you know, in St Kilda or something, like, yeah. it, it's, they're two different speeds. Yeah, I mean, two, which is great. You can have both. You can. You can experience both. Yeah. Um, what do you, I want to talk to you, I mean, I'd love to talk to you about your eccentric aunt as well in, in those early days. <laughs> what, actually, what, what made her eccentric? You mentioned that she was um, an eccentric and aunt. And probably, look, eccentric might be too strong, but I guess it was because to us, she and her husband seemed so adventurous. Um, 
she had a sickle and to get down to like a bay for example you were going through banana plantations (laughs) (laughs) so um i remember one time she had like a pith helmet and a safari suit and a pith helmet yeah Yeah. and i was like Come on, children, we're going down to Alexandra Bay to see naked people. I mean, even back then. <laughs> so, what a great experience to have someone like that in your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, my, my parents were also fairly adventurous. And we did, we had some great, you know, I remember sort of, you know, going up to Harry's hut and um, in, the, in the tinny. And uh, I mean, all, all the sort of same things that people that have been here for a long time mm-hmm. used to do back then. And I also remember the. I can't remember what it was called. I think it was called Dalachuk or something like that. There was this um, mini moak with a little sort of trailer on the back that would deliver roast chickens to your home, which at that time was actually sort of wow. well, the first form of Uber Eats. What do you love about your career in real estate? Yeah, so like I say, it was it, it was a interesting time getting into real estate because. As I mentioned, it was just before COVID, um, and of course, you know, I saw the the boom. Well, I actually thought How it would you describe. I actually that? thought it was a really bad timing at first because I I just got my license, and then all of a sudden everything was shutting down. You know, I was actually down Hastings Street, yeah. you know, when everything was closing. Um, and well, like, who would I mean? Think about that moment in time. Who would have thought at that? period of time, you know, every, the businesses are closing, that there would, for this region, there would have been an explosion in terms I of, know. of, of right. that real estate market like that. The just way that witnessed. I just thought that, you know, we're going I'd into hibernate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. And so as it turned out, I did, um, I joined um, someone that I knew and worked predominantly in the hinterland. Um, and it went nuts. You know, we were selling houses via FaceTime that people hadn't seen. Um, there were lines of people. You, you had an open home and there would be, you know, 30, 40 people lined up, you know, with masks on. <laughs> you had to sort of send, you know, four people into a, into a house and yeah. four people off to see the land and then they'd swap over because you couldn't have, you know, too many people in the house at once. It was a crazy time, but it was an, an initiation by fire, and um, I learned very quickly that I'd actually made the right decision by moving into real estate, and in some ways regretted that I hadn't done it sort of 20 years earlier, because not only do I love it, um, but I feel the skills that I have through my um, human resources career um, complement this industry. Elaborate on those skills. What what makes a great agent? Well, I think, you know, they're they're words that often aren't associated with real estate agents. But I think integrity, honesty, um, you know, communication and making sure that you give people feedback. At the end of the day, there are are really kind of three boxes involved in the sale of a home. there's the box, which is, and this is kind of, if you can imagine it on a diagonal upline, down the bottom of that line is the buyer in the respect of the price of the home. In the middle is the agent, and at the top of that diagonal line is the vendor. And we're all like this, 
when we're selling our home, clearly we want the best possible price, right? The agent's kind of trying to temper, you know, that expectation. And then down the bottom is that, is that buyer saying, you know, oh, I don't think it's worth this amount of money, you know, because they want to pay as little as possible. So it's really our job to negotiate between what we fairly much know is the, is the market, the current conditions of the market and where that property sits and get it up as high as we can. Have your skills had to change in terms of the kind of landscape that we witnessed during COVID to what's happening a couple of years later now? I don't think the skills have because my skill set's always been negotiation. So whether that's in respect to, for example, um, a CEO of an organisation that has gone off the rails and you're having to um, manage that for the organisation and negotiate with that person to reform their behaviour or move on. It's, it's all difficult conversations and actually um, negotiating right through that to get the best possible outcome. And that's really my job as a real estate agent. My job is to negotiate to get the best possible outcome. So I think they're, they're very complementary skills. The thing that's changed with COVID and post-COVID is that I think I think it's tempering out now, but there was a lot of expectations that my home was worth the amount. Like a year year or so after COVID kind of petered out, people were still expecting that their home was back at you know the pandemic yeah. price. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a nice thing to say, but you do you do hear agents say from time to time, I'll bring on another pandemic. <laughs> I don't wish for that, but uh, at the same time, look, we saw an enormous growth during the COVID period and the area was undervalued to start with. Well, I wanted to ask you about that in terms of value. So where, do, where, where are we landed now? Like, are we set for, after what we've just described, are we set for kind of a a pullback in terms of valuation? But you just said that you thought it was undervalued before that. I think before COVID it was undervalued. For example, if you come from Melbourne, um, and most people in Melbourne would have said the same thing, you know, oh my God, I can't believe you can get that for that price. Now it's pretty much on par. In fact, I look at property in Melbourne now, and I say to myself, oh my God, I can't believe that that's actually going for that little. Right. You know. Okay. Um, but I would say that it's fairly on par. And I think it's probably the, the prices for what, for what you're getting here, I think it's, I think it's stabilized. It's not going to, and look, I'm saying it's not going to go down anytime soon. You can't say that anymore. Oh, yeah, no one's going to hold, no one's got a crystal ball. But it's always great to, when you work in the in the sector, it's always great to get an insight into what you think or feel about a yeah. particular. So that's interesting. I, I feel like it's stabilised. Yeah. And I think certainly with interest rates being put on hold, because I think that, you know, in certain parts of the market, 
that actually gave people the willies. And I think that now with interest rates kind of stabilised, hopefully, and they continue to be, that the market will remain stable. I, I don't think that we're going to see the huge um, peaks and troughs that we've no. seen previously. Of course, they've, you know, they've come down a bit, but they went up so far. So it's normal that they yeah. were stabilised a little bit. Let's talk about your patch. You joined mm-hmm. Reed & Co. how long ago? Uh, it's about a year and a half ago now, okay. about 18 months. And you're looking after Sunshine Beach? Correct. Live in Sunshine Beach. Yes. Give me a, an overview of a cross-sector, of the people that live at Sunshine Beach <laughs> and, and what you're and how you fit into the, the kind of the jigsaw puzzle there in terms of uh, as, as an agent and, and what you'd like to achieve in that, that patch. So I describe Sunshine Beach as Beatles and Bentleys. Okay. You can I'm not sure whether you're talking about the Fab Four. (laughs) (laughs) Not the Fab Four, no, Volkswagen. (laughs) Volkswagen. Um, The reason being... Now I get it. Yeah. The reason (laughs) being, no one cares about whether people have or have not. It's... You, you can't judge a book by its cover in Sunshine Beach. Um, and I think in that respect, it actually, the area of Sunshine Beach actually has a lot of the original sort of essence of Noosa. Because Noosa's always kind of been like that. You could have a multi-millionaire driving around in, a, in, a, in an old Beetle or you could have a young tech with a you know a Bentley but a surfboard on the top. Yeah. So I think it's still very much like that, and I love the sort of village atmosphere of Sunshine Beach. Um, you know, it's very community kind of based. There's a lot of families. There's a lot of people that keep to themselves, but you've only got to go down Sunshine Beach Village. You've got a Sunshine Social or to some of the cafes down there and you know you see the diversity of the, the people that are there lots of dogs and it's quite casual and it's a very friendly place it's a lovely lovely area to live I mean we don't none of us here at Reed & Co are completely exclusive to one area we have our patches yeah. um, of course we do sell in other areas you know I still sell in the, in the hinterland as well so it's yeah, it's a great place to be, and of course, um, my husband's had um, Adrian J hairdressing there in the village, which is coming up to its tenth anniversary. So we know a lot of people, and yeah, it's just a great place to hang out. Is the age group reflective of that diversity as well? I know you mentioned the, the kind of cars that they're driving, <laughs> but um, is, is there a younger or predominantly an older population? That... I think it's quite a mix. Look, there there are a lot of people there that have been there since day dot since you know the house in the 80s and I do hear some very very funny stories from people when I'm phoning them to ask if they'd like to sell generally uh, a lot of the time it'll be like oh Alexander I'll, I'll be carried out of, out of here in a box and um, if I tried to sell it my kids would ensure that I was in a box <laughs> so um, you know their homes will be you know, passed down from family to family. But, you know, of course, there's um, there's people that want to move on. There's people that move, for what's, example... What's the motivator to sell? 
when you talk about people that want to move sure. on, especially for people in, in that area, what, what's, I mean, where, because, you know, we live in paradise, so, yeah, you, so you think about that and you go, well, where are they going? Unless, of course, they're going to go overseas, or yeah. what, what are they doing? What's the general? So there's a portion of the market that are buying as a holiday home. Uh-huh. So they might be from Brisbane, Sydney, or Melbourne, predominantly. Um, and then there's a whole group that really looking for a lifestyle change. So they actually may be moving out to the hinterland. And then there's hinterland moving into the beach. And particularly with this sort of post-COVID time, because people have had sort of two or three years, they may have bought, you know, coastal and they want to go rural. Well, they bought rural and no one told them about, you know, mowing five acres and the water tanks um, yeah. yeah the water tanks and the, <laughs> and the power goes out and, and you know a snake or two and and so they're moving in towards the coast well, yeah, isn't that, that's an interesting pattern it's beach to bush and then bush to beach yeah. after a period of time yeah, yeah. I guess and it's also re- also return to cities there are people that are actually oh, back to, yeah, moving yeah, right. because they're they're actually you know they've realised especially the younger ones, I think, um, that moved here. Um, so the younger ones are probably like, you know, when I was a young man here, um, they're wanting to move back to, you know, uh, back to a larger city. They've given it a try. Yeah. But I don't, think there's, I don't think there's that many, you know, they report, you know, a lot of people that move up here and then move back, but I don't think, you know, it's a, it's a great number. There's always, every year, there's always an influx of people, a natural influx of people, looking to move up here for, you know, just our lifestyle, right? I think over the last two years, because there were so many that actually moved here over the COVID period, of course, that took, that they were kind of brought forward. Um, You know, they may have been planning back in, you know, 2020, yeah. 2021, they may have been planning to move within the next five years, but a whole raft of them, as we said, came during that period. And so we've had a bit of, probably a bit of a lull, but we're starting to see those figures coming back up again. Yeah. You know, people moving up here, so. Can, do you want to, um, I don't know if it's, if divulge is the right word, but do you want to talk about your strategy in terms of how you approach the game? Or is that not? kosher to call it the game what like what do you because i want to get an insight into how you operate as an agent and, and what you're we kind of touched on it earlier with the integrity thing but. yeah mine's mine's fairly simple if you're honest and you provide people and i think it goes through anything it's not just real estate if you're honest and you provide good service then people are going to come back or recommend you right now, obviously, people coming back, you know, in real estate, that's not such a quick cycle, um, but certainly people recommending you. Word of mouth. Yeah, word yeah. of mouth. So I don't see it as a necessarily a strategy. I mean, there are certainly strategies within the role to assist people to sell their home, but as far as attracting business... Really, the strategy is just talking to people. And I look, 
you know, every real estate agent knows that sometimes that contact is unwelcome. Um, you know, people get tired of, you know, things in their letterboxes or, um, you know, we do get some abrupt um, responses to making a call. But I guess it's how you frame that. Is that a tough, would you say that's... I'd say that's the toughest part of the job. The, the most, the least likely part of the, <laughs> or, but, I mean, look, I know, you know, we've all worked in that, in that kind of environment before, but that's, it can be disheartening. It can be tough to... to yeah, you, to you need those. a thick skin sometimes. Yeah. But look, it's fairly rare that people are, are rude. Um, and, you know, I get it. You know, we get a lot, we all get a lot of calls about stuff. Yeah. And, you know, during this period when it's, when there have been fewer sellers on the market, um, a lot of people are probably getting, you know, numerous calls a week. So I can imagine that would get annoying. I mean, I get them myself. <laughs> when people not knowing. How do you respond to that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just respond with, um, look, I'm not, I'm not looking to sell. And if I was, I would probably give it to an agent within the agency that I work for. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything about you, your business, your brand, the way you operate that I haven't asked you that you think is important to the conversation we're having? Look, the thing I love about Reed & Co is that we don't operate in silos. We're a team and we look out for each other and you know that's that's not only important for us as individual agents i think it's also really important for the client so there will be times you know where um, kate for example um, might say oh look i've got these people they're looking in this area but they're also looking in sunshine beach um, you know this is exactly what they're looking for it goes into a database which is a um, a very very solid database and and the information that we can get out of it is fantastic but it's that interaction between the agents for example the other day one of our agents here um, has a property that's probably um, a little sort of difficult to sell just it's got some quirks about it but we all as a team went to look at the property um, with the vendor and it, I think it showed to that vendor the kind of solidarity and the, you know, the, the teamwork that was being put in to help the situation of selling a difficult property. And some properties aren't difficult to sell. Mm. Um, others are a whole lot easier. Real estate agent Alexander Payne was my guest on today's episode of Everyone Has a Story. And if there's something that you heard that you think might be relatable to uh, someone that you know, a friend or a family member, then please feel free to share the episode about on your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.